Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Safe and Stay Sane. My name is Shevis and I am the host of this little podcast on creativity. The theme music is by our very own Persona Law Av. He just celebrated his birthday, so go on over and wish him a happy birthday. Sometimes the universe introduces people into our life in unexpected ways, and our next guest was actually one of my former roommates. She is one of the most hardworking people I know, has a very unusual job, and provides some really amazing insight on how to approach having a creative career, especially when your hobby is your career. We talk about how to balance work and life and play and how to find the joy in creating. I don't have much more to say. I just am so excited to dive right into this conversation. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to our next guest. Abi Grace is a Nigerian-American content creator, model, and entrepreneur residing in Los Angeles. She has created content for Coca-Cola, Laura Mossier, and Fossil, and has modeled for top brands like Apple, Starbucks, and Uber. Abi Grace also has a consulting business that has successfully advised small businesses and startups with branding and marketing strategies. Welcome to the show, Abi. Hi, thank you for having me today. I'm so excited to have you. I know how hard you work behind the scenes, and I want other people to just have a better understanding of everything that goes into being a content creator. I guess to start, let's start at the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into content creating? Yeah, so like I've always loved photography. Like my parents gave me my first camera when I was 11 years old. So I've always been taking photos before like Instagram or like TikTok or like even content creating was a thing. I just always loved documenting my life and so when I went to college I was doing street style photography taking photos of students fashion but then when I graduated I didn't have the pool of student to take photos all the time because now you're in the real world and I'm not gonna go up to a stranger like can I take a photo of you and so I turned the camera to myself because I loved fashion and I had the skill as a photographer so I was like let me see what I can create if I become both the creator and also the muse of my projects and that's kind of how it started it wasn't I, I didn't intend to be a content creator I just kind of fell into it because my skills that I I had and what I loved just aligned with it. Can you tell us, can you break down what goes into being a content creator? Like what are the the different elements that it's more than just standing in front of a camera and taking photos? Yeah, I think so often people like that don't understand it always say, oh, all you do is just like take photos and you post it and then people like it and that is your job. I was like, I wish that was my job. I wish my job was just to take pretty photos and just post it and my day is done. And the thing, especially with brands, brands sometimes don't understand like how much work it takes. They're like, oh, we're going to send you this, take photos and post it. And I'm like, you realize one photo, for example, could literally take maybe like 24 hours to complete just because you have to think of the concept. You have to think of, you have to do location scouting. You have to like style yourself. You have to do the makeup. You have to edit it and then you have to post it and that also means knowing the analytics knowing when is the best time to post and then when you're dealing with contract when you're when you're a small creator you don't have a lawyer or anyone looking at your contract so you have to learn the skills to negotiate your contract to read your contract to make sure you're not selling yourself just too much because your your own image and a lot of brands will like hide like little things in contract that they could have the rights to your image for like ever 
Um, luckily for me, I've had agents on the modeling side. So I've seen like what contracts look like when they come through my agent. So I've always, I've seen like what my agent would negotiate for me. So when it comes to my influencer work, which I do by myself, I do look at it from an agent standpoint. I'm not going to get screwed over for like this money and then my rights and my image is for this company to use forever. So you just learn how to wear so many different hats because you just, you're the one doing it, you're the one engaging, you're the one creating everything. And it just, you learn a lot of skills that like many people have like teams that do for them. Yeah, you are the marketing team. Yeah. But for yourself. Exactly. You're the marketing team, you're the lawyer, you're the photographer, you're the makeup artist, you're the hair artist, and you're the editor. And it's just like, you just do it. It's a lot. It's a lot that goes into it. Has there been... Something that surprised you as you've gone down this journey that maybe you, when you first started in college that you didn't realize was going to happen? I think the thing that surprised me, maybe like my first year into this, I always presumed that I, you had to have like big following to make money off social media. I thought you had to oh, be in the hundreds and the 10Ks. And then when I was only like a 2000K, I took a photo that was I'm very editorial because that's the style I like to shoot. And it was for, I was wearing Banana Republic outfits. And then Banana Republic team saw that photo and they're like, hey, we really like your look. And we will fly you out to New York and we will talk about working with you, modeling for us, not even creating content, modeling for us. How would you like that? I was like, cool. And that was to me fantastic because it just showed that like quality matters more than quantity. And we're so used to thinking about the quantity, grow your number, grow your engagement. And like sometimes that like makes your quality fall because you're so focused on the number but like I had 2,000k followers and Banana Republic hired me and I worked with them for a year doing um, all the seasons and doing all these modeling gigs for them and getting paid and it was just showed me that like I just had to put my skill to where it is which is creating beautiful images and the right brand will come along and work with me and I didn't have to wait until I was like at 100k to start working with brands. Yeah I think that's pretty common I, I feel like a lot of us probably assume that you have to have hundreds of thousands of followers to be able to make a living off of it I mean you were doing this full-time whenever you moved in and you had just moved to LA at that time I came to LA didn't have a job I was like I'm just gonna go with my savings and just figure out what to do but I also knew because I was already making money from social media that it was possible that I just had to scale my mindset because before I was just like doing it just for fun here and there but I'm like okay once it becomes your way of living the way you're making money then you think about it really differently you like negotiate higher you talk to other people to make sure you're not getting screwed over because as a woman of color in this industry there's a lot of discrepancies that happens and you see it where like um, a Caucasian content creator will make at least 10 times more money than a person of color doing the same exact job and because there's a lack of transparency in this you just learn how to negotiate and also work with brands that trust and value what you have to offer not just you have to be the token black girl so we're just gonna give you a lot of money and then pay everyone else so much more and we just give you a lot of because we just need that token diversity and you just learn to differentiate between those brands because there's definitely brands that would just pick like three girls of color and the rest isn't just so they're like oh we have diversity it's unsurprising that that is also a facet of the content creator world because we see it in so many different industries yeah how do you fight back against this tokenism i think for me i 
I've had people like not necessarily like brands don't usually tell you they're like you're gonna be the token different brands you know because if a brand reaches out to me the first thing I do is I look at their social media and I look at their website and I see how diverse their page is and if their page isn't diverse I most likely don't work with them unless it's like a new brand like let's say like a big brand that's been around for like years reaches out to me and I'm like okay and I look at the page there's not a single person of color not a single body diversity everyone looks the same I was like okay okay, this is where they're getting called out for being non-diverse. So now they're reaching out to diverse people. And I've had other influencers that tell me, oh, I get my brand deals because of my color. I've had people say that to me and I was just like, when you say that to somebody, it's like you basically telling me that all my hard work doesn't matter. The only reason I'm working with this brand is because I'm a person of color. And I think people sometimes don't think they're doing it to be a insulting but I was just like you're negating my work just my color and that does not matter because I'm like there's a hundred girls that look like me on Instagram skinny black girls I'm like so why are they choosing me it has to be something that's not just the color and I think it's just navigating what brand you want to work with and also what brand you can like teach because some brands are open to have a conversation about the diversity. And some brands are like, oh, we just don't care. Because I think we live in a, a culture where like brands love any form of news if it's negative or bad. So if a bunch of people is like, oh, this brand doesn't have diversity, they're going to still get sales because now their name is out there. Someone is like, oh, I've never heard of this brand. Let me check them out and see the no diversity. And so it's going to buy their stuff. So like we live in a culture that like a lot of brands live off of not having diversity because we're constantly telling them too high diversity, giving them PR. And they're going to just continue to do it because once they start having diversity, they're no longer being talked about. It seems like there's a lot of pressure to filter out which brands you work with mm -hmm. um, as a creator of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of like, because a lot, like, especially like um, during the summer when the whole BLM happened, my email and every single person of color's email I knew was being flooded with all these brands that is just like, oh, we would love to work with you, like, we'd love to work with you, blah, blah, blah. And I think, yes, it's great, but I think as great as, as it is to have people of color working out creating your content, often brands will say, oh, we don't know any people of color content creator. And I was like, are you kidding me? Literally just go on Instagram, search any black related hashtag you find a lot or just hire people to do that for you because I think the excuse that brands have been using for the longest time is like, we don't know any. That's a lot. Yeah, it almost seems like these brands are obviously doing damage control by trying to hire models of color for their advertising campaigns, but that's not being reflected in their hiring practices elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They need to have people of color in charge because I think think when you make this decision oh we need diversity diversity looks so different there's so many like you have a black asian big skinny short tall and it looks so different and it's gonna be hard for a brand to be inclusive of all diversity realistically but I think a lot of brands sometimes do go towards a more of a tokenism aspect example one thing a lot of brands do when they especially for beauty when they're doing a beauty campaign they're like okay we're gonna have nine um caucasian women and then we're gonna have a gay black fat man he covers three diversity in one and that now the pressure of that diversity is on that guy to like be the voice and i think so often brands see that oh we have it we have it covered and i've even heard my friends that work in marketing of like big companies like how they talk about diversity when it comes to like hiring brands and hiring talent is it trying to find a diverse person that can fit more than one box instead of like, okay, we can have a mixture of everything as much as we can.
no one wants to be the only person in the room that's speaking for their voice and for their their background yeah well you know i texted you after i watched that documentary fake famous Mm -hmm. on hbo um i'm not sure if you had a chance i haven't seen it yet but i'm going to i promise yeah no worries no worries i think that there were things that were discussed in that documentary that you probably were aware of but i wasn't Mm -hmm. i didn't know how popular it was for people to buy fake followers and fake comments and fake likes and the documentary revealed that kim kardashian has the most of all of those of any influencer on instagram do you think that the people who play in this space but who aren't doing it organically and authentically, do you think that they give influencers a bad rep? I think yes and no because I always look at like your follower as your customer you have in a store. Let's say you have a pop-up and no one shows up but you have 10 million followers. Those are not real because at the end of the day, your followers are customers that can buy your product, that can buy your sponsored goods. So when you fake that number, yes, you do hurt like, the community because then it affects the numbers and affects how people are getting paid. But also you hurt your own bottom line because most influencers are going to start launching product, launching merch. But when you've laid your, your numbers so much, you are not aware of how many people you have to follow you. It's people trying to game the system because a lot of brands don't check those analytics. They don't check who's buying fake followers. They just care about the number. And then when you're trying to get brand deals and you know your work is good, but like the only thing stopping you from getting a brand deal is like you have to get your certain number. So some people buy those followers to get the brand deal. But then the longevity of it is not going to last because as an influencer, you're trying to create a relationship with a brand. So let's say, for example, Revlon. You want to be able to work with Revlon on a six-month contract, on a year contract. Not just a one-time thing, but when you have fake engagement and fake followers, they can know that because most brands will give you like a specialized link so they can track how they're doing. And I think that's where it hurts the brand and the influencer because the influencer is not thinking in a long-term longevity or like creating the relationship with the brand. Then they get mad when they don't get their return of investment. I think this is a great segue because you, you talk about your followers as customers and this is a new economy that's been created online you know what started off as a very it's called social media you know the the implication that we're supposed to be connected with our friends and our family and share that way but it's grown to this e-commerce platform essentially how does it feel working in that space when so many people come to instagram for the social element, how does it feel working in that space from a sort of commerce side of things? It's hard. It's very, very hard. Like, I think the past year, I have been having a really tough relationship with my job, what I do, just because the nature of my job is to sell stuff to people, like doing ads. Like, that's how you make money. A content creator, you make money by doing ads. But the problem with what I've been dealing with is I am trying to get away from fast fashion and also mass consumption. And so it's just like, how do I do what I love to do, which is create content, but also not be like, oh, you need to go buy this skincare product. You need to go buy this dress. You need to go buy this, this and that. So I think it's definitely just like, I feel like a lot of influencers are going through that like turmoil of like, they need to do this to make money. But also they don't want to constantly be pushing stuff to people. It's just like there's 
is a really hard balance. It's either you change your route because some people are going, oh, you can just do sustainable fashion. But the problem with sustainable fashion is not easily accessible to everybody. And with just with markets work, the more sustainable and thrifting becomes more like luxury, the demand is going to go higher, which means supply of thrift is going to go higher, which means prices is going to go higher. And like people that normally typically would thrift it were like low income family or people that really needed it are now having to pay the same price you're paying at Zara because it's a trendy thing. Like if you go to like TikTok, there's a whole collection of thrift flip and there's a conversation about that, like why have people making thrift in a very luxury thing and anyone that knows market knows once something becomes trendy the price will go up and it will affect the people that really do need it the most so I think for me I've been trying to navigate how I want to deal with the space like I stopped like I think like a year and a half ago I stopped doing like try on hauls on my Instagram when brands reach out to me it's like hey we would love for you to do an hour try on haul I was like no I'm not gonna do I'd rather like just get the clothes shoot the pieces I love than me just to be like oh you can get this like I'm not gonna sell all your store for you and I um, stopped doing unboxing because I think we're such a consumerist culture and then when you go on Instagram everyone is showing you especially if you follow a lot of influencers people oh this is what you can use this is what you can use this is what you can use yes it's hard and I it does affect my bottom line because I'm not constantly selling to people but at the same time I'm just like that is not the kind of influencer I want to be I want to influence people to change their life when I do like brand deals it's like stuff that I use I'm obsessed with skincare I'm obsessed like getting everyone's skin on point I force all my friends to do their skincare so like those are the stuff that I, I enjoy and I think benefits you because I feel like once you feel good you look good and I love working out and I'm wearing cute clothes when I work out so like it's stuff that I use more on a regular basis that I, I will like do a brand deal for. But like when it comes to doing like a try on haul, I was like, I, I don't need to do a try on haul. I don't need, especially when it's fast fashion, I don't need to do three hours of Forever 21 try on haul. No one is going to benefit from this. It's not helping anyone's bottom line. I love that you're saying that, Abby, because like that's something that as an outsider, I've, I've watched your life and you get so much stuff. When we lived together, you had just a million skincare products, clothes. You often, I mean, I have things in my closet that you've gifted me, just spreading the love. I love that you are thinking about that now as you approach because that is important. I think we're all kind of realizing collectively as a society just how much we consume. And talking about skincare, you do this thing on your Instagram called empties, which I think is just the perfect idea because you're using a product until you are done with it. And then you decide what what's your review? What do you like about it? Do you want to buy this again? Is this something that you're going to include in, in your routine? Because that, there just is a layer of authenticity to the way that you use your platform that is refreshing. And I think if more people can do that, we would see a huge shift in this marketplace. How does it feel being a brand yourself? Because you are this brand that you've built. Are you using that in order to shift into this next phase in your life, this brand that you've built? Yeah, I think for me is I've built this brand and I understand marketing so well. So I understand like whenever you're changing a brand, people are going to have a hard time adjusting to it. You're going to lose people that fall off and then you're going to gain new people. 
And because for the past like year and a half, I've just been struggling with the like the consumerist part of my brand, which is fashion and beauty is very consumerist culture in its nature. And I do love those aspects of my life. It's me. I love get dolled up to go to a grocery store. I just I love that. But also at the same time, also like understand the bigger picture of what everything means. And I think with COVID, all of us being home and just having conversations with people, I realized what I really enjoy talking to and talking to my friends is honestly like self-growth and like self-help and just being a better version of yourself. Because I think we're so indated with perfection when we go online. You see the perfect body, the perfect relationship, the perfect hair, the perfect couple and the perfect life. So like, and then you're home on your phone scrolling through all of this and you feel inadequate because you're not quote unquote having this picturesque successful life and sometimes we forget that everything is just curated to make it look like perfection i've been trying to change so i can like encourage people to live the best version of their life you don't have to be like oh my gosh i wish i was a kim kardashian and just feel miserable about yourself you can work your ass off to get to the level where you feel proud for and so like for example like my tiktok is more like motivational and more like self-love, like what can you do to just become a better version of yourself? And what can you do every day to become a better version of yourself? With everything that I love doing, those things do help you in becoming a better version of yourself. It's like, okay, you having a shitty day. Here's a couple outfits you can put on that'll make you feel cozy and make you feel comfortable to just start the day. Or you having a really bad day, do a skincare day, just take care of yourself. It's okay to just do something little. And so finding a way to tie in, like, becoming a better version of yourself with what I love, which is, like, sometimes putting a red lipstick does make your day feel better. Like, changing up your hairstyle does make your day feel better. And taking away the superficiality of it. Sometimes just dressing cute to go to a grocery store will make you feel better. And it just, like, it doesn't have to be, like, oh, I need to dress cute to take photo to post it on Instagram. Just do it for yourself. What if you could buy unique clothes and accessories from a small business while also supporting an amazing charity? Mary Lowe is a designer and creative reimagining basics through loudly soft prints. Through her studio Hilo Creative Inc., Mary's goal is to create, provide, and support a community creative space for all. In partnership with Stay Safe and Stay Sane and with code SSSS, 1% of your purchase will be allocated to Asian and Pacific Islander women-led, with donations up to $500. That's really cool. If we raise more, we're going to spread the love to other organizations. Shop some wavy babies and good vibes at buy-marylow.com or follow her journey on Instagram at HiMaryLow to see when she'll be popping up next and releasing new items. Thanks for listening. Well, and you do so much more than content creating. I know we've spent some time talking about that, but you're also an entrepreneur. And it seems like your your approach to, you know, your content creating, influencing job, career has given you the tools to kind of transition. Being a content creator is being an entrepreneur, but you're going further and starting your own consulting company. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, so I've always loved marketing. I didn't go to school for marketing at all. I just kind of love branding and marketing. So I've studied on my own. 
And then when I, I graduated college, I was just like doing the influencer thing. And a friend reached out to me like, hey, I see that you're really good at this. I have this client. Would you like to help? And that was how it started. I wasn't even thinking of doing consulting. It was just like someone needed help. I had the skill and then he paired us together. And then I've just been doing that. And I just love, especially with startup. And I feel like so often a lot of people don't know how to do that. They're like, oh, I just need to post photos of all of this. I'm like, when, especially when it's a brand and it's not a personal brand, you're trying to create a story about your brand. Like your hair, like let's say it's a hair product. What kind of client is wearing that hair product? What do they do? Where are they eating? What kind of, like all those like little details, a lot of like small companies don't think about when it comes to like how they brand themselves on social media and how that's going to be an impact on the kind of people that see your stuff. I love just that. That just energizes me because it's just like taking something out of nothing and making it into something beautiful. And I just, I've done it and I've helped like different brands. I've helped startups. And I typically love just doing startups because often when I work with company that's already established, there's not a lot of room to play. And I love the experimental stage to be like, okay, this week we're going to try doing all rainbows. Okay, that didn't work. Next week, let's try neutral. And it just like, the freedom to just play until you get exactly what works with the right customer is my favorite thing. I think that especially for a lot of these companies, having someone who has their own brand that they have to think about as well is just like you're already doing it. So it seems like it'd be a very easy transition into more of a consulting role. What do you hope to achieve with with consulting, with content creating, with sort of your career aspirations? What are you looking to next? Yeah, I think I had an epiphany last week because – I just was trying to figure out what the nest in. And I think one thing I want to do is to have my own creative agency just because I love creating. Like, if you took away Instagram and TikTok, I would still be creating. Like, I just, I love doing that. And I so I want to be able to have a creative agency where I can just do that. And, like, I literally hire my friends because all my friends literally work in the creative fields. So just, like, being able to be like, okay, who can I work? Okay, Shevis produced this music video. Like, just having my friends work with me and just, that's what I want to do, just a creative agency, just doing what all my friends really love to do and just doing it together. And I think that is like the new goal. I'm trying to figure out how to manifest that and probably start with small projects and eventually big projects. Because I love, I love creating. I love having people work together. But at the same time, I just kind of love being able to be like, okay, we're working for this brand. You two have never met me together and work. And so, like, I had a dream, like, oh, I'll, I'll match my friends that live in New York together to just do a project for the agency together. Just creating a community of people that just love making something beautiful. One of my favorite quotes from Ava DuVernay is, um, if your dream only includes you, it's too small. And I think that that's something, at least the people in, in my life, including you, we all really live by that. There's no more rewarding feeling than being able to set your friend up for success. Yes. And it's just the best. Just being know knowing that you can just like get to work with your friends and get paid. And that's just like the best. Just hanging out with your friends. I'm like, this is just what we all should just aspire to do. And I'm just that's what I want to do. So I'm like in the process of like figuring how to do that because it's definitely gonna be a switch up and it's gonna be a a new challenge that I'm excited for from what I'm used to because my idea is to reach out to brand using my platform but also be like I will create content for you I don't need to post it on my page 
I just want to create content for you, make something for you, and then you can have it and have the rights to it. And I think that is something a lot of brands with COVID were looking for. And I think it's a lot of brands are going to start outsourcing their stuff to like smaller creators. And so that's, I'm hoping to just get in there right in the good nick of time. I think you can do it, especially with just personally know how hard you work and uh, the level of integrity you bring to all of your projects. And, you know, there was a time in my life where I was trying to figure out who are those people in my life that I want to continue forming deeper relationships with. I was having a, a tough time and I had to ask myself just a very simple question. And I encourage everyone to ask this about the people in their life is who are those people that when you spend time with them after you leave, you feel energized, you feel rejuvenated. And you're definitely one of those people, you know, we could go a couple of months without talking, but when we hang out, I'm like, oh, I just fucking love Bobby <laughs> so much. We always just have such a blast. There's many laughs. Yes. And even though we operate in different spaces, it's been so cool to see you grow and watch your journey from sleeping on the floor in our apartment Literally. <laughs> to just like being being here four years later and, and having bigger dreams. Four years later. Damn. I know. I know. We're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> Where did the time go? We're just having so much fun. What's been what's been the hardest part of your journey so far? And then to counter that, what's been the best? Ooh, the hardest part of my journey so far. I think it's sometimes believing that I deserve it. Like maybe like a little bit of an imposter syndrome, but also that's just not the. It's not really imposter syndrome. Maybe it is. I think sometimes just. I think I was talking to a friend where I'm like, I say that I'm lucky. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, she's like, how do you think you got everything? I'm like, I th- I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm lucky. Like life has been good to me. But then I think sometimes by saying that I negate all the hard work I put into it, I kind of just give it to, oh, it's the universe that blessed me with this. And I think it's just sometimes just accepting that like what I'm doing is working and what I'm doing, I'm doing it well because sometimes when you're in the grind and when you're your own boss, no one is writing me like, um, wait, you work. What are those things per- called? Performance yes. reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I've never worked a, I've never worked a real job in my life. So like no one is, um, no one is writing me a performance review that I can physically see. So like when I talk to like people like you or people that know me, like you work really hard is when I see it because for my, for myself, it doesn't seem like work because. My hobby is my job, and I've been doing it for so long that, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I can be doing so much more. Like, I'm like, I will honestly say, like, I'm not even trying to sugarcoat it. This is how I think. I'm like, I'm doing 10%, if that makes sense. I can be doing 100%, but I think sometimes I just need to be like, I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm doing hard work, but I think I just don't feel like I'm doing a hard work. So it's like there's days, like, I will – be up until like nine o'clock editing and I'm like oh I could have done so much more and I'm like it's literally nine o'clock at night and you're still working and so I think it's just that the hardest is just feeling like you're just never doing enough because you're the only one doing it so you constantly feel like okay I haven't done enough I can do so much more you're always putting so much more pressure on yourself to just perfect it when perfection is not real and you understand it but also your other brain is like, you can be doing so much more. Why are you not doing it? Why are you watching TV? You should be like editing while you're watching TV, working out while you're doing all of this. It's just like, 
not being so hard on yourself. We live in, again, this very capitalist, consumer-driven, work-hard environment in America, in the Western world. And we're always told that we're not doing enough. But what is enough? Who is enough for? So, of course, yeah, there's probably always something more that we can do. But by practicing this positive self-talk and by recognizing these are the things that we have done, we are able to dismantle the programmed thinking that we have been subjected to. So I don't really have a huge point there. I think a lot of us in the creative industry are entrepreneurs, especially if we're working the freelance or contract lifestyle. And we need to make sure that we have that balance in our life. And so I guess I'd like to ask you, what do you do to to make sure that you have that sort of work-life balance? You know, is it setting a timer and, and making sure you work for just four hours or whatever? How do you, how do you find that balance? And um, it sounds like sometimes you struggle with that. How do you, how do you address that? I think for me, it's like, even though I struggle with it, I'm very good about it at the same time, just because I understand it's very important. So for example, for from the start of my Instagram, I said I was never going to work on Saturday. I was never going to, if I posted, it was going to be just because I wanted to, not because I have to for work. So I've never like posted on Instagram on Saturday. I just started posting once Instagram had stories because that is two seconds to do. But I've always made sure to have time for myself and have time for my friends. So like if a friend wants to do something, I'm like, okay, I will do it and I'll just come back and do my work. And I think that's kind of a blessing of working for yourself that like I'm not contracted to like someone's someone else's time and a lot of my friends do have nine to five or regular jobs that they do have to go into somebody and listen to so whenever my friend can make time to see or hang out I always make that a top priority because that's what I value it's very important to me because I always said I want to be 60 years old and sit in a porch with a group of my friends and just that is what I envision and I'm like I can't have that if I don't foster those relationships, if I don't make time for those relationships and be intentional with them because I think it's easy to go grab coffee with someone every single day and just kiki but if you don't make the intentional of actually building the strong friendship and that strong relationship you're never gonna have it and so I think I've always like valued my relationship in that aspect but then when it comes to dating I've always said oh I'm gonna I need to get to a certain level in my career then I can date so like that is a aspect of my life that I'm just like oh it's I'm gonna just wait until like I quote-unquote reach this success that honestly doesn't exist until I can do that and I think recently I realized I'm like you should like why am I telling myself that I have to get to this level to do that and I just avoid it I mean I go on two dates I'm like ah I find a reason not to be intentional with those when because I'm like I don't care it's not romantic you're in LA whatever it's not real then it affects as you get older and just like, oh, wait, who am I going to share this with at the end of your life? Like, and I think it's like trying to navigate everything you want, but also feeling like everything is going to work out. And that like doing one thing is not going to take time from the other. I think for me, it's for the longest time, I've just been focused on like my friends, my career that I've just led my personal life kind of not being a factor. It's like that whole like burp, um, circle. You know, like the three circle, is it your personal, your friends, or your like work? You can't have all three. Yes, you can have all three. It's just making time 
for all three, and I think it's just like learning and being like, okay, you can go on a date, you can do this, you don't have to work. And I think it's just like learning that you can have all three, you just might not have them every single day, but you can make, you have seven days a week. We have the same hours in the day as Beyonce. We do. She's the queen. Granted, she probably has a whole team that does stuff for her, too. Uh, Are there any misconceptions that you feel like we should kind of knock down? I think one thing people that don't understand about working in this creative field, you probably understand that often you're your own worst enemy and your own best cheerleader. Because you're doing the thing yourself, so you can see all the flaws. Sometimes I will record a 15-second video 20 times just because I, you get in your head. and you. But then when it does well, you're so happy and you can share it on. And it's just that like idea that like your, con- your emotion is on a constant roller coaster. And then if you get the numbers, starts affecting you because, again, it, has, it does affect your bank account. You see people's emotion goes up and down because they're like, oh, I posted this. They love the work they do. And then they post it on Instagram and it doesn't do as well. And and I always tell people, like, my one rules when it comes to creating, you have to fucking love what you're posting just because you have no control over how it's going to really do. And if you're going to allow external validation to affect your mood, you're never going to succeed. And I believe that truly, like the only way for you to truly succeed is to have internal validation. It's to believe that whatever you're doing is going to work because you're going to have people that's going to come in. Oh, this sucks. This is stupid. You're going to have the algorithm not show it to anybody. You're going to have like your college friends, your high school friends. Like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing? You can have so many people questioning your motive. And if it's going to, it's going to get in your head if you don't have that strong internal validation. And I always tell people like, I've had friends, I've tried to do this. And they're like, how do you do this? I was like, because I really love what I'm doing. Anything else, anyone that has to say about my work doesn't really affect me as much just because I love what I'm doing. I know the time I put into it. I know the research I did to create what I created. And that internal validation is what Every creator needs, every entrepreneur needs just to succeed just because you're going to have so many people that's going to question why you're doing something. I think that is sage advice for all creative people, especially anyone who's sharing work online, because it's impossible for us to not get caught up in the likes and the shares and the follows. Like the app has been designed for human psychology, but we all need to make sure that we're doing it for us and looking at ourselves and what is something that is going to bring us joy because the act of creating that's what it's all about it's not about an award and a like an article all of those things are nice but it's not going to make you feel good at the end of the day i always remember like in high school we learned about van gogh and how like he created this masterpiece, but when he was alive, everyone thought his crap was shit. No one liked it. And then once he died, it's consider- his paintings are literally considered one of the most beautiful paintings in the world. People love it, and it's just that. But he kept creating. He didn't let people around him when he when he was alive to stop him from creating. And that's just a reminder, like just create because you love it, not because you're trying to get someone to like your painting. And I think it's just like. Artists back then, they didn't even have the pressure we do now, but they still had people telling them their stuff was shit. <laughs> and those communities were really small, too. Yeah. I mean, they're just as small as the communities are now. So 
this has been really awesome so far. I'd like to end with some inspiration. So I've asked each guest to bring something that serves as inspiration to them. What did you bring for us today? Okay, so my favorite, I think my, ins- I have two. Can I share two? Yeah, share two. Okay, perfect. One of my favorite thing is actually, my inspiration is actually from my mom. When I was battling with like taking the leap of fate and like just doing what I wanted to do. And I just kept kind of avoiding it. And she had this conversation with me. She's like, she's like, why are you scared of actually doing anything? I was like, oh, because I'm scared to fail. Because I think that's a big fear we all have. And she said, okay, so that's your fear. I was like, yeah. She's like, well, you're doing nothing. So you're technically already failing. So you're already living through your fear. So why not try? And then if you fail, at least you can say you've tried it compared to failing and not having tried. And I think that was a really a turning point for my mindset because I think so often I thought by like not doing anything, I wasn't failing. I was neutral. But the truth, inaction is still failing. You're still doing nothing. And I think at that point, I realized failing is a part of life because when you see successful people, you don't ever see their failure. You hear about their success, but you don't hear how many times they try to sell a movie and everyone said no, but they just kept going. That was one thing I was like, okay, I can fail. You just have to feel smarter. The next time you fail, you just feel better. And like you can't let the concept of failing make you fail. Fear is learned. And I feel like we, when we were little, we used to like walk and we fall down, but we, that didn't stop us from learning how to walk. Otherwise, we would just be crawling adults. We just we kept falling. And I think as human, we forgot that literally our early stages of life, we just learned how to fail and fail better. It has to do with the ego, too. We think that our failure is just the end all be all, but rather than looking at our failures like a lesson. I think that all of us need to look at the things that didn't work and walk through every step and try to figure out how can we make this better. Let's say you've worked on a campaign and it didn't get the reaction or the response that you had anticipated. To be able to look back and go, okay, if you just looked at it and go, well, that was a failure, let's try something new, well, then you're not going to learn from it. We have to learn. And then I think my second thing would be to write down the good times. Because I think so often we focus on the negatives. For example, one of my friends, she's in the process of getting her show being sold. And, I, and she's like in the waiting process of like waiting to see if the production company, what they're going to do with it. And she's so nerve wracking. I was like, yes, you're really nervous. But like, just remember this time period, you're never going to have a first time getting your show being sold. You're never going to have a first time of, all these lawyers calling you, you're never going to have this moment. And I think we're so focused on being successful that we don't enjoy the moment of the journey. So just for anyone creating, enjoy the process. Like, yes, you're always going to have the finished result because the finished result is what you and everyone else see. But those moments that like you are the only one dealing with and living with, no one else can experience the first of anything. Like for you, like the first time you moved to L.A., all those like moments of like days you were probably excited and days you were really scared and days you're like, oh, my gosh, I need to form a community. All those like first, you're never going to have those again because when next time you come back to LA, you've already had those. You already have your friends here. You already know the cool places to go. You, you're not going to have those first. So I always tell people, like, enjoy your first moment of new experiences. Document those first. 
you will never have it again. And just if you have another moment where you have to go through something like that, you have those documented to go back on and look at. Be like, okay, I was really nervous the first time I moved here and it got better. So next time you move somewhere else, you know you're going to be nervous. You know you might be like wandering, but you know it's going to get better because you've done it before. Because I think we sometimes forget the process and just only remember the finished product and glamorize the product as being beautiful, forgetting that the process sometimes could be ups and down and shittier sometimes. But then the only thing we remember is the beauty of the finished product. That feels like a great metaphor for, you know, being a content creator. All we see is that that post that's online, but we don't, we forget that there are all of these elements that go into that one post or that movie or that show or whatever. Those are both very inspiring. <laughs> Abby, thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming onto the podcast and, and sharing a little bit of yourself and your journey with us. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun today. Thank you. <laughs> me too. Me too. If you'd like to follow Abby along on her journey, you can find her on Instagram, abby.grace. Or if you want to maybe reach out to her for some consulting opportunities for your business. Her email is ispyobby at gmail.com. Um, and as always, stay safe and stay sane. Woo!